Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0-Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Thank you for joining us for the 5-0 Show. The 5-0 Show is sponsored by Bonneville. We could not be more appreciative of this time. Also, if you have any information about unsolved felony crimes, please reach out to Silent Witness at silentwitness.org or 480-WITNESS. You're going to be completely anonymous. You could get cash for the information. And most importantly, you make your community safer. Today, I'm joined by a repeat co-host and a guest, repeat co-host, Assistant Police Chief, Steve Martos, Chief, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jamie. And retired Assistant Police Chief, Kevin Robinson, who I think I'd call a friend. Chief, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. And yes, we're friends. <laughs> we have a lot to uh, to talk to you about, Chief. But before we do that, you know, uh, and I'll ask you both, Chief Martos, I think a lot of people look at when you promote enough uh, to the rank of Assistant Chief, they probably assume, well, life is just about, you know, fancy lunches or dinners. But I get the opportunity to see how hard you and the other chiefs work. Is that job what you thought it would be? So it's funny, I, I brought leftovers today. So yeah, that is uh, retired Chief Robinson's uh, luncheon special is having those nice lunches. But uh, you know what? It is, it's it's a different type of work, no doubt. Uh, I wish I could still call it police work, meaning uh, that's what I joined this job uh, for, was to go out there and, and deal with uh, – work with our community members on things that really bother them. So uh, it's a whole different animal, so to speak, uh, at this level. We're, we're looking at things from a much more global perspective, looking at it from a department-wide perspective and looking from a community-wide uh, perspective as well. So it's it's a different lens. But you're being humble, and, and the reason I say that is you and I have talked numerous times about this. Um, when we started our career in patrol, you were in the neighborhood enforcement team, net team, and we called them different things through the course of the years. But you were out doing intensive proactive police work. And by intensive, I mean it was usually fueled by neighborhood complaints. The one thing that I can say about you is, as you've gone through your career, you've not lost sight of there are boots on the ground, amazing men and women who are doing police work each and every day. And I've seen you take that perspective in decisions you make. That's got to be hard to balance the two. It is a tough balance. I still recall, and again, I, it's police work that I. This has been my passion. Has been something that I've been doing for twenty six years, and I go out there from time to time and pull in on a call with some of our folks and see them do what they do. And it's uh, it's a noble profession. It's an admirable job, uh, and to see them do it, it's it's humbling for me. So making decisions, really, there is that perspective of what's in the best interest of the community, what's in the best interest of our employees, uh, and trying to balance. Balance that uh, with, with that lens again. Yeah, I've I've seen you and people we work with uh, making decisions, and no matter what you try to do, it seems like whatever you do in life, there's always devil's advocate. There's the good and bad, and you have to outweigh what is better than the other. Uh, so thank you that you always try and make the decisions with, uh, as you said, the employees and the the community in mind. That's a delicate balancing act, and and I'm sure that every day you you go home and you think. Uh, it's a lot harder than I thought it would be when I was a patrol officer. There is no doubt. Uh, decisions now that you start to make decisions that affect other people's lives, uh, their schedules, their careers, those those types of things, and even uh, folks in the community where you start affecting uh, their way of life. Uh, decision making is he's heavy on you. Well, one of the things that I appreciate about you both is you you have that same sense of I've seen you both in in situations at work where somebody. 
uh, will come up, and typically, whether it's police or military, we operate in this paramilitary organization, this rank. So folks don't normally uh, jump rank and go directly to an assistant chief. Yet I've seen you both on numerous occasions engage and listen to and value the employees that we, we work with. Uh, chief Robinson, when you left, you had dedicated 30-something years to our agency. Was that a hard transition? 36 and a half years. And the transition was I was ready for it. So it wasn't that that big of a change for me because I was ready. And, you know, I think that's one of the most important things that anybody can do is to be prepared for that life change. I had other things. We were going to travel. We were going to do a bunch of different things. So I had enough on my plate that was going to keep me busy for some time. So it was it made the transition all the more easier. If I can just add something. So and you mentioned something, Jamie, about um, – being approachable even even at whatever position you work in. And that was one of the things that I learned from Chief Robinson uh, throughout the years, that he always made himself available to, to the boots-on-the-ground people. And, and uh, you know, I'll tell you now, you, you may have left and probably thought, okay, you know, we, we work by serial numbers and they've replaced me with another serial number, but I, I just want you to know when you left, you've left a legacy on the department. So... Um, are you feeling humbled or, or, or feeling maybe not appreciated uh, potentially when you leave? Uh, but I just want you to know that you've left uh, a legacy with the rest of us. No, thank you, and I appreciate that. And I think that's one of the things that all of us who go into police work, we strive to make a difference. We wanted to make it better for everyone else or for someone else. And when I left after 36 and a half years, I came to the realization that I had impacted scores of people's lives and outside of the organization, inside of the organization, some for the better, some for the not so so good. And I you know, you have to take that with what it is. It's the reality of the job. And as Chief Martos was just saying, you make decisions at that level that have a profound impact on people's lives. You know, when you change someone's schedule, what that does to their family, you know, the family dimensions, what's going on at home, the family dynamics and such. So it's something you have to do. And you realize that. But I, you know, I would not. And I, I, I teach now at Arizona State University. And I tell my students this, that I had I had two dreams. I wanted to either be a policeman or I wanted to play second base for the New York Yankees. (laughs) And that was the honest gosh truth. The Yankees never called me. And therefore, I was able, and I tell people this, that I lived my dream by being a, a police officer and more specifically with the Phoenix Police Department. I just got lucky. I really did, and I enjoyed every single day. Clearly, it had its bad days when officers were killed in the line of duty or you had to go out to a horrendous crime scene or a bad accident or something like that. Those are never fun, but it was a part of the job, and you knew that, you understood it, and I enjoyed being able to be a positive force and hopefully making people's lives better at the end of the day. So this is radio, and people obviously can't see you, but when Chief Martos spoke from the heart and gave you a compliment, and you've done a ton of media, you do a lot of teaching, you're very confident, but when he spoke from the heart, you looked down, it looked like that that touched you. Did you ever worry about what your legacy was when you left? No, to be honest with you, no, I didn't. I I just all I knew when I left that I put in 110 percent 
I would say almost every day, because let's be realistic, you can't do it every single day. But almost all the time, I did my I did my darndest to do the best I possibly could to represent the uh, the organization, the represent the citizens of Phoenix, and even more importantly to me was to represent my family, family name. You know, my my mother used to say, you know, remember you're a Robinson. She would always say that, and that was that cue to. Behave right, do the right things, treat people the right way. And I think I did that. I'd like to think I did that at the end of my career. So I was just ready for the next, I was ready for the next opportunity. And I knew that there would be others coming up behind me who would have that same compassion, that would have that same understanding and would jump into it and hopefully do a better job than what I did. And we appreciate about you that you were never defined by what you do. But uh, if we're telling stories about impact and legacy, you may or may not realize the impact that you have. But you shared a story with me one day about when you were coming off probation and your sergeant pulled you aside and encouraged you to look at all the opportunities for deferred comp and such. Um, And then you turned around and started encouraging other folks to think long-term, to think legacy, to think planning and taking care of family. I ran into someone recently that said, hey, if it had not been for you pulling them aside and walking them through the benefits, they would not have been as prepared. Is that something that you've always had that long view of what retirement looked like? Well, I, I learned. And that sergeant that you're talking about, his name was Walt West. And Walt, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago. But he was a great sergeant. And I was coming at the end of my probationary period. And he had my probationary rating. And he was explaining I was going to get a raise with it. And he said, what are you going to do with the raise? And I said, I'm thinking about buying a new car. He said, you know what? You should put it into deferred compensation. And I said, what's deferred compensation? And he literally took me into the station. He pulled out all the paperwork. He filled everything out for me, just told me where to sign. And that started, I had a year on. That started, you know, for the next 35 and a half years, I, for the most part, I, I did all that I possibly could and put it into deferred compensation. And it allowed me to have a um, a savings that was significant. It, it just was. I don't know how else you would look at it. You know, 36 and a half years of savings. With interest, the on power top of, of compounding it. interest, exactly, and so it put me in a position to where I could do anything I wanted to impact others. My wife and I, we have formed a family foundation where we sponsor a couple different scholarships. So we're able to give back. We're able to do a bunch of different things. But that was the foundation for it. Sergeant Walt West taking me to the side and saying, "You need to do this," and so. I knew how important that was. I saw the impact it had on me. And as I went up through the ranks as a sergeant and a lieutenant, then a commander and then an assistant chief, whenever I had the opportunity to talk to someone about it, that's what you're referring to, Jamie, I did just that. I told folks, hey, you know, you don't really need to drive the new car. I didn't. And, you know, it was more important to put money aside for later on. And it made, again, it made a significant change or a significant difference in the things that I was able to do after I left the police department, still trying to help people. Coincidentally, Jamie, he never had that conversation with me. That's why I (laughs) eat leftovers for my lunch. But uh, uh, let me ask you this on a more, uh, I guess, I'll, I'll be somewhat selfish here. You having been in this position in the past for a number of years, uh, if there was one, and I, I don't want to necessarily put you on the spot, but if there was one piece of advice that you could give me as an assistant chief or other assistant chiefs currently in the environment that we're in, what what might that be? You know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be an assistant chief for 13 years. And during those 13 years, I think it was 
four, maybe five different police chiefs. And the advice I would give anybody, and I, I'm able to sit up in the cheap seats and look down and things like that, I would tell them to be as transparent as they possibly could with how they do their jobs and how they make decisions. Transparent with the people inside of the organization as well as people outside of the organization. Because what I'm seeing these days is that there is a, a lack of an understanding of what goes into police work. You know, there's a lot there. If you really understand use of force and when an officer, whenever she or he can use force, it's important to understand that. So my advice would be to be as transparent as possible. Make sure people understand your rules and regulations, why you do the things you do, how you train people. It's critical. It's critical because the more they understand, the more accepting they will be of the things when they happen. You mentioned the word family, and towards the tail end of your career, you got married. You have an amazing family. We get to follow your exploits on social media. Um, can you talk a little bit about who they are and how much they support everything? You're very proud of your wife, and I want to give you an opportunity just to talk about her for a moment, if you're willing. Oh, sure, certainly. Uh, Come up with about um, 11, 12 years of marriage. Uh, my wife, her name is Michelle Halyard. She's a physician. She's a radiation oncologist. Her specialty is neck, breast, and throat cancer. But she's also the dean of Mayo Medical School. And um, she's, I mean, she's a significant, I mean, she's an intelligent person. Why she ended up with me or settled for me is, that's a whole other story. But um She's probably one of the smartest, most compassionate people I know. I mean, she is out to help people, medical students, her patients. When we travel, we usually have to stop somewhere to see a patient, wherever it may happen to be, because she has patients all around the world, quite honestly. And they love her. And what I see in that is somebody who truly enjoyed the job that she has done. And let's be honest, whether it's police work or medical the medical field, if you care about people and you want to make this world better, there probably are no two better careers other than pastoral. So I want to just take an opportunity to thank you for your career in law enforcement. You you absolutely had uh, uh, impacted Chief Marto's career and my career. Uh, we've seen you on some difficult scenes, and you always were just a humble guy who took care of others. So if we haven't said it before, thank you, Chief Robinson, for what you do and what you still do in the community. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you to you, the listening audience. Thank you for Chief Martos for being here. And thank you to Bonneville for this time. Till next week, stay safe. You've been listening to 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.